Hello and welcome back to the Neil Plus One podcast with me, Neil Curran. This week on the podcast, I get to speak with a good friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Joey Shope. Joey teaches and performs at Spectacles Improv Engine in California, in Fullerton, California. Uh, Joey's a great guy and he's had an interesting improv career because I think he's pretty much studied everywhere. Uh, but he's been so committed to his art that he's even taken on multiple courses at the one time, which can only be incredibly demanding on you as a learner. Uh, so we chat, uh, we chat about that career. We also talk about the mysterious improv format that is the JTS Brown. So I do hope you enjoy it. Hi and welcome to Neil Plus One, the podcast uh, broadcast. Broadcast? Are we broadcasting, Joey? I think you're recording. We're recording. Uh, we are in La La Land, as it's now called. Sectionally. Yes. I'm here with Joey Shope of Spectacles Improv Engine. Hello. Joey, this yes. is kind of random now because this wasn't something we planned and now we're making a podcast. Yep, just two men in a bed <laughs> together recording a podcast. So there, there is an element of truth of that. We, we have a limited space There is space an element to of record. truth. This is 100% true. <laughs> we have limited space available, so we've had to cram ourselves in the corner of a room in a hotel. So, Joey, tell us, you have an interesting improv life. Yeah. You have trained everywhere? Yeah, everywhere on the West Coast, that's for sure, at least. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, the whole story kind of begins in high school. Um, there's this really great organization out here in uh, Southern California that uh, you've worked with uh, some of the Northern California people with Comedy Sports. I did that in high school. It's a really great organization. Uh, from there, I kind of went to Fullerton, which is where I found uh, Spectacles Improv Engine, founded, of course, by the great Josh Nichols. Um, from there, I took a bunch of training, and then I kind of went westward. I went to L.A., performed at IOS, take, took classes at UCB, IOS, uh, took classes all over the place. And now, at this point, I'm kind of more traveling and teaching classes while performing out of Spectacles and out of L.A. So that's a very condensed version of what really goes on behind <laughs> yeah. the scenes. So you took classes at different schools at the same time. Yeah, I took IOS and UCB at the same time while taking any kind of drop-in class or focus class I was being taught, either at Spectacles or like if Specs brought in a teacher like Nick Armstrong or somebody like that, uh, I would take all those classes as well. But for the most part, I was going through the training programs of IOS and UCB at the same time. And you're somebody that... You do improv because you want to do improv. You're, you're, you're yeah, I uh, I saw it in junior high and I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. I want to do that in high school. And then from high school, I was like, oh, this is a really thing I'm really passionate about. And then, yeah, ever since like 19 years old, I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life because it was just really rewarding and something I was really passionate about. And that's not really, you know, most people in L.A., would it be fair to say they're actors or comedians in, sure. in who use improv as a stepping stone to achieve that. Yeah, which is completely a, a brilliant thing to do because I think most people won't even audition you if you don't have some improv background at this point. So what's it like then taking, like, I.O. and, and UCB at the same time? Um, financially draining. Uh, <laughs> they're both uh, really well... Um, they're both really well-taught places. They're both really... I, I speak very highly of both of them because they're great. And if you have a particular preference over one or the other, totally cool as well. Um, it was both financially and time-draining because, you know, we're talking about two, three-hour classes, and then we have shows for each one of those classes. Um, and I live 45 minutes to an hour away, too, so that's a you know more of a thing. Um, but it, it, for me, um, I found it to not be that much of a challenge because of how passionate I was about it. Um, like that, this seemed like just the traveling and the cost expense. Like this seems like necessary sacrifice. Um, so people might not see like it being worth all that money I spent, but um, 
I definitely think that, like, for me, it was well worth the time and effort to do it. And did you find that there was a challenge in terms of being taught one style versus then, you know, the next day you're doing taught a different Here's what's style? great about improv is, like, um, even at the end of the day, like, right now I wouldn't say I'm more iOS or UCB, but I've taken things from both of those focuses, and they're both stylistic things, and I've added, added them to my play. Now, if I'm just doing, like, a montage or any kind of, reg- like, you know, kind of off-show or, like, you know, a team that I'm not normally on, I'll do different kinds of things, stuff that works better than others that I've learned from both UCB and iOS. Uh, but for right now, I would say I'm mostly kind of a spectacles improv player, uh, which I think has, which has, you know, which is kind of like a combination of a bunch of different styles that are being taught. Um, that's what I would say is mostly the style I perform with now. So, Spectacles, tell us a little bit about Spectacles, for, for people who don't know what Spectacles Improv Engine is. Spectacles Improv Engine is um, an Orange County-based improv company out of Fullerton, California. It's home of the Orange County Improv Festival. Um, it is this really great spot. It was founded by Josh Nichols and Matt Thomas, um, two really, really funny improvisers if you ever get a chance to see them. Um, it was started with one team called The Lobby, and they've been around for 11 years, which is absolutely crazy if you know improv teams don't tend to last that long. But yeah, they started out with one team, and they added another, and they added another, and they started classes. That's where I kind of fell, uh, where I kind of met a lot of people from uh, Spectacles. I took classes, and then I started performing there, added more teams, added more teams, so on and so forth. Now it is this you know, huge thing that has improv cup tournaments and, like, you know, in a festival and has all these really cool, amazing shows and, like, different kinds of things. Like, each night if you go there, um, you're going to see something different that you did not see the night before or maybe nothing the week before because we have so many great, talented people performing so many different stylistic things. Uh, it's a really cool, like, like kind of gathering of all different styles. It's like one big melting pot, and uh, it's really cool. And again, it's right, right in Fullerton, in a bar town, if you ever... If you ever, like, are in that area, want to get a couple of drinks, come watch a show, do it. I'm sure the Fullerton tourist <laughs> services are very pleased with you right now. Yeah. But, but on that, though, joking aside, because, you know, we're in the heart of L.A. We're, we're yes. literally have walked from iOS back to this hotel. Um, you know, you've got a, a spin-off mecca of improv here in L.A. Yeah. Um, and out in Fullerton, where you've got Specs, and Specs is wonderful. I've been there a few times, and... It's a fantastic place. So what's the challenge then when you're so close to L.A. running an improv theater? You're teaching there. So, you know, having an improv theater there in such close proximity to L.A., what's that like? Sure. I mean, the reality is, is like with L.A., it is such a big city. It's such a big, like, huge, there's parts of it. It's not really, L.A. is not really just one, like, part of, like, it's not just Hollywood, it's not just West Side. It's it's all these different parts, but that equal all of L.A. And then you have Long Beach, which is like a whole different city, but it's in the L.A. County. And you have all these like you know people and opportunities to perform here that it can it can seem kind of daunting to try to break into this industry from an improv standpoint because there's just so many people and people come out from Chicago to do commercials and to do acting and they come from like I.O. Chicago where they've got training in the places out there. And so for here, it can be kind of challenging to kind of break into that scene. Um, you know, if you try to just break into that scene. And with Orange County, what's what's actually a really cool part is, like, L.A. is only 45 minutes away, so if I want to go see some great improv, I can just get in a car, sit through traffic, and then finally get there and watch it. If I want to take a great training program from UCB, iOS, Second City, anything like that, I can go and go to it. Um, I think that for where I'm coming from, like, as a challenge part, is I feel like, um, I still to this day, when I tell people I do improv, a lot of people are like, 
one or two things that go, oh, like the stand-up, like the Irvine improv or like the, um, you know, Brea improv. I'm like, oh, no, no, that's stand-up comedy. And, uh, and then the people who, who are like a little bit more know, they're like, oh, kind of like Who's Line. And frankly, at this point, we've just started a Who's Line show just to be like, yep, we do that pretty much. Um, it's called Marquee. And we just, we keep talking about like how they're going to sue us one day, but whatever, we'll do that later. Um, but for us, it's like, it's just getting that kind of like, in Orange County, just kind of getting that phrase improv out there and having them understand what it is is probably the biggest thing, whereas L.A., because there's so much industry and so much performance stuff, I feel like it's it, it comes off a little bit clearer. And Specs, uh, you, you're, st- like, I've seen you perform plenty of times, and we've been in, you know, we've been in scenes together, and your style of improv, though, is not, strictly speaking, something that I could label as I.O. Or, right. or, or UCB, so tell us a little bit how you're your style has kind of evolved. Right. Well, um, I, I personally, at least at this point in my improv career, I believe everyone kind of discovers their own voice. Um, but the conduit to finding that voice is the training that you take. Because you might go to UCB and go like, oh, game is my thing. I love game. I love I love coming up with games. I like discovering games. What, or I like coming up with the premise game. You might go, oh, that's kind of the voice I want to have. iOS, you know, oh, I love relationships. I love doing the hair. I love doing all these things that are so drenched in, like, iOS, you know, things. And then for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to take bits and pieces from each place I go to. I'm not looking to go to one place and be like, oh, I want to be that kind of performer. I went to all these places and like, oh, cool, I like this I this idea that I learned here. And like, oh, cool, I really like this format I learned here. Oh, cool, I like... And then I bring this to me, who is like, I try to like, you know, soak up as much improv as I can. And then I go on stage and I do, you know, whatever I've, you know, whatever show I'm doing. And I go, okay, cool. Here's these things that come to me in this moment. Um, and for me, yeah, like you said, I, I don't think I have like a specific performance style. But I think I could I could meld myself to whatever show I'm in. If I'm doing a UCB show, I'm gonna be more gamey. If I'm doing an iOS show, I'll focus more on relationships and you know. And if I'm doing specs, I'll do you know in the moment organic stuff. That's you know a lot of fun. Um, so for me, I always thought it was more or less like oh I'm gonna go to this one place and do their their style or do their voice, which is completely cool. I dig that a lot. But I was more like I'm gonna take bits and pieces from all these different places and put it into my play and see what works for me. Some things don't work, some things do. I just continue to go down the path of things that do work. And how does like you you're in a JTS Brown? Yeah. Uh, for people who are listening who don't know what a JTS Brown is, tell us a little bit about it. JTS Brown, um, the first piece of in, uh, information I always say when I say JTS Brown is um, it's not a form, it's a philosophy. And I can feel people rolling their eyes at that, but I 100% believe it. Um, as of as of philosophy, it's boils down to me is like whatever happens next is correct. There's no editing, there's no, like, tag-outs, there's no, like, runs of certain things. It's kind of like a dream logic thing where, like, each scene kind of bleeds into this next one, and thematically speaking, we get to do these really cool things where, like, things that are set up early go into the past. It's kind of a hard form to explain just in one setting. That's why when people teach it, like Nick Armstrong or Craig Castle, they have, like, eight weeks to explain it uh, in, like, three-hour-long classes because it, it takes that kind of training to go, okay, I kind of conceptually get that, like, this isn't really a this isn't really a form. It is a philosophy, and again, if I could boil it down to just refer, just to boil it down, it is. Oh yeah, it's it's whatever happens next. I have to support that. Well, whatever that means though in the scene, is supporting mean I leave the scene? Is supporting means I become an object in the scene, or supporting means I'm in the scene? However, I can best support the next scene. That is my goal as an improviser doing the JTS Brown. It's all about support, and then kind of uh, just going with the flow. 
So what's attracted you to the JTS program? Um, well, first of all, uh, what attracted me to it is like I, really great performers have performed this. Craig Akowski, Nick Armstrong, um, uh, so many more people, uh, Jason Sudeikis, you know, all these all these people. It was founded in sh- uh, Chicago as a form. It's a form they did, like, they practiced for a year before they ever did it on stage is the story I told. And then Craig Kelsey taught it to Nick. Nick taught it to me. So I was personally attracted to the people who have done it before because I have really high respect for these players. And then when I was getting into it, um, I was really struggling with it. But I was like, I could see, like, it through the murk and through the mire, like, through the darkness, like that, like, that shining light of, like, yes, I can I can see what this is all building towards. And then the more I did it, the more I realized, like, oh, this is such a freeing form of improv. I'm not bounded by certain rules. Whatever happens next is correct, but that can be whatever. That could be silence. That could be big noise and movement. That can be a scene. That can be whatever it is. And so where that's translated to me as an improviser, if I'm doing a show with a lot of scenes in it or something, is like, I just go, oh, okay, whatever happens next is correct, and I'm going to support that move. It's made me a more supportive player. It's, it's freed me to do certain kinds of things that I've never been able to do before. You know, I'm a big nerd, and I love the, like, the wooshy-dooshy, like the, you know, some improv edit stuff. Um, so I'm always a big fan of that, and I get to do stuff like that. But yeah, the things that attract me are definitely the um, the people who originally did it, then the the having it evolve and having it like change me as a performer as it keeps going on, just like being more supportive, being more creative, and allowing my voice to be more expressed. And that's interesting because you know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I don't live in, on the West Coast. There's not a whole lot of people that are doing the JTS Brown. Um, as far as I know, there's not really that much JTS Brown going on in the world. Because, again, it, it's a form that's only really been around for 20 years, where the Herald's been around for, like, 50 years or whatever. Um, it, and, it, and the problem is, like... Well, not problem, but, like... That's part of the thing about having, like, one or two teams ever really do it um, when they when it first came out. is like, that means there's only a handful of people who really know it and can teach it. Um, so there's, it's a really select few people who really know it and who can teach it and like really studied it and like practiced it. Um, so it's an incredibly rare form, but it's 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 kind of a, a rare form to pull off too because it's not really just doing scene after scene. It's about like how all these like thematic elements connect and the freedom and all that kind of challenge. So I think it's kind of a, it's a pretty big pill to swallow that even from a training idea. Like I've had the class a couple times with Nick and it took me a couple of classes to go okay this is starting to finally click for me um so it's a really big pill to swallow it, there's not that many people who can actually teach it to uh that kind of stuff it is it is a very rare form cool so so getting back to specs mm-hmm. um you've mentioned you've done a bit of name dropping Joey I know we're gonna put that out there that's fine um you talked about Josh Nichols a lot um who? and jo- <laughs> Josh Josh Nichols I've, I've heard of him uh, Josh is a really great guy. J- Josh is one of, you know, he's on my list of people that inspire me. Yeah. Um, and he's 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 almost a guru in his in his, in his own right. I yeah. guess. So tell us a little bit about Josh and his philosophy with specs. Um, Josh is an incredibly uh, devout student of the form, while also being very very humble as well, which is I think is a pretty rare combination. Um, not incredibly rare, but I think it's, it tends to be a little bit more rare. Uh, you know, he's, he's very much, he very much quotes people and like gives people credit who rightfully deserve it of the people who taught him, you know what I mean? And he brings kind of similar, he brings the things that he really liked about teachers and like, like, you know, performers and he brings that into like spectacles as a whole. 
community. He brings he brings in the idea of like you know this thing works here. Try this thing. Try this format. Try these things out. Um, but the word that I think I most associated with Josh is community because his goal was not to create a a profitable improv community or a theater. He, his goal wasn't to create an improv theater. His goal was to have a really really tight knit community, and from that community we can build off of that. So I think if Josh is seen as a guru, it's because he successfully made spectacles a community there's a hundred people in our facebook group and i know all hundred of these people i know what they like it, i know what they dislike i know how they their family members i've met so many of these their friends and stuff like that so it's that community base that i think josh really successfully built first um and from there it's grown to this really cool thing where now we have festivals and tournaments and stuff cool. um so you're teaching yeah um, you're teaching, did you say level? I teach, I, with spectacles, we really don't do levels like level one, introduction, level two, characters. We kind of teach focuses, which is this idea, uh, and I teach another thing too, and I'll get into that, where we teach like, oh, in these four weeks, we're going to talk about point of view. In this four weeks, we're going to talk about emotion. In these four weeks, I'm, we're going to talk about gift giving. Um, and I, I've taught uh, the point of view focus for uh, a couple weeks now, and, um, I also teach a drop-in class, which has been a huge part of our student program. And those are classes every Friday from 12 to 2. Me or my friend Sam Forbes, we teach a class on a certain subject where you get two hours of it. It's 10 bucks. You know, you come out, you try it out. If it's not for you, no problem at all. Uh, if you really dig it, you come back each time. You get a little bit more information. So I mostly teach through point of view. And I, uh, and the other thing is as well as the drop-in classes, which the, that subject changes every week for me. So then if you were share with us maybe something you've been teaching recently or something you're passionate about, a tip or right. advice or exercise or something that you'd like to share with. Right. So to me, what I think is like, that can be a very tricky subject in terms of improv is conflict, uh, specifically unnecessary conflict. I think conflict stems from people like trying to find problems in improv scenes you know what I mean? Like, you know, they're, they're trying to find problems because they're looking for something, I think, is kind of the reason they do that. Um, I'm very much not a conflict kind of guy. Um, I, so I, but I teach this class about, like, loving, uh, hating the world but loving each other. And this is an exercise, exercise I, I, I invented called The Jerks. Very, very simple exercise. Two-person two um, scene. What's very, very simple is you two are going to play jerks in the scene. You're going to play whatever kind of jerks you want to be, like gossipy church people, you know, dads yelling at their sports kids or whatever. You're going to play considered people jerks. And you guys are going to hate the world around you. We're going to find flaws in every little piece around you. But you're going to love each other the entire scene. So you can have an issue with, like, the waiter and the wait staff, but you're going to say how beautiful you look in this dress tonight. You know, um... Because I think that I'm not I'm not opposed to having like negative feelings or emotions. I'm totally not opposed to that. Those those are fun and something we can play with. But I'm going to try my best to make my scene partner. I'm trying my best to connect with them and have a relationship with them. And that is way easier when I'm focusing on positive things about our relationship. I can focus about the negative things about the world around us, but in the relationship, I'm focusing on each other and how it can be positive. Cool. And one last question for you, Joey. Um, You've see, you get to see a lot of improv here in LA and, and in the OC. Um, this is not a popular uh, popularity question. Is there anything you've seen in the past while that stood out to you as inspiring, or you've just really really enjoyed? Um, I'll always be a sucker for King Ten. I think that they do the Herald the best I've ever seen the Herald. Um, they do 
the Herald, I think, is a form I really, really dig. But the way they do the Herald is they kind of play it with a very open philosophy. And they go like, look, guys, we can we, all our focus is on a good scene work and making each other laugh and having fun with each other. And they, they do these kind of, they do these cool edits and they do these things. But what they're doing is supporting each other and they're having fun with each other, which is two huge parts of improv that I think um, I always want to, I always love seeing is when people are supporting each other and people are having fun with each other. Um, a team in Iowa, a team in Orange County that if you have a chance to watch, I would say watch Ounce of Behavior. They do this kind of like grounded slice of life improv. It's really, really interesting, kind of more theatrical if that's kind of your gig. Um, it's, you know, their focus is on those, the players themselves and their connections with each other and knowing each other and being like, and have intimate knowledge with each other and, and building off of that and like having this connection between each other that it clearly bleeds into their scene work because these are char- they play characters who are sometimes challenging or sometimes like tough to like and they play these characters so very well and they play them so believable and they because they, their their goal is to play as believable as to human life as possible and if you ever get a chance to watch them ounce of behavior they're great or king 10 and ios uh, really two really amazing teams that have a chance to watch now i knew you were going to give that answer to that question yes so I'm going to hit you another one saying you're not allowed to say answer behavior or King 10. Yeah, I hate you. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, is there in-breath outside of that? Um, let's see. Remember, it's not a popularity question. I'm just asking you something you might have seen that's not King 10. Oh, 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 dummy with uh, Colleen and Jason Schatz. That's a really, really fun show. Um Again, they kind of are like this interesting. They're like they're definitely on the more like slice of life grounded play. Um, it's it, Jason Schatz and Colleen Doyle, like the, Colleen Doyle. They're freaking amazing improvisers. It's a two person show, which might scare off people, but they play a lot of characters. I mean, they are another example of like they don't have necessarily rules they go by. They are just so organic and in the moment. They focus so much on each other, and it's so fun and interesting to watch. Um, if you get a chance to watch them, uh, the Reckoning is another good team in LA. Uh, too, I'm just going to start rattling off all the teams I used to watch. Um, uh, they're really fun. They're really amazing. Um, they're from well, so many of them from Chicago. Uh, like Eric Honeycutt's amazing on that. Um, oh God, there's so many people on that team. That's really great. But uh, so yeah, I would say Dummy with I um, with Dummy with Jason and Eileen, and then um, the Reckoning with uh, all those amazing people on it. Shall we show? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.